Welcome back to the Russell Street Replay. This is a Baltimore Ravens recap podcast hosted by me, Nick Ometa. I'm joined today by Ronald Tooth once again, another contributor from the Russell Street Report. Ron, how do you feel after that big win yesterday? Oh, exhausted. <laughs> I can't even imagine how the guys that were actually on the field felt. But yeah, another week of uh, making us sweat it out long into the four o'clock hour. But luckily, they were able to pull it out. Yeah. And, you know, kicking it off with our, our big questions this week with all of the players on both sides of the ball who weren't on the field yesterday and just the general craziness of the game. What, if anything, does that game against the Bears tell you about this Ravens team? Well, it told me what John Harbaugh has been talking about all year, and it's that they have a lot of heart and a lot of grit. <clears throat> you know, it would have been very easy for them to come out, especially after Chicago scored that late long touchdown that really felt like a backbreaker with all the struggles the offense had been having throughout the day. But the way they were able to put a drive together, you know, tough teams win these tough games. And it was really encouraging to see them dig deep and pull one out. Yeah. And you mentioned Harbaugh, you know, what, what factor does losing Lamar the day before the game and, you know, just losing guys like Avery in the middle of the week, kind of out of nowhere, what is that? What do you think that says about the coaching ability to actually come out of Chicago with a win? Well, it shows. And yeah, it's crazy. You know, all the focus was on Lamar not playing, but lost in the fold of that was no Averett, no Jimmy Smith, no Marquise Brown. They were mm -hmm. and not even counting the guys who we've lost, you know, up to this point so far already. It's it's pretty crazy in terms of what it says about the coaching staff. I think it just says that at least at the top in terms of Harbaugh, that the players have a lot of faith in him and they know that more the vast majority of weeks he's going to have them prepared no matter who's under center, who they're missing or anything like that. It really speaks to more of the culture of the team as a whole that, you know, you, you hear the phrase next man up and in a lot of locker rooms that isn't true. But in the Ravens locker room, it, it genuinely feels like it's a, a next man up operation as we've seen, you know, countless times this year. Yeah, I mean, Harbaugh, if the Ravens finish with a top two seed, I think I've said this before, but if the Ravens finish with a top two seed, I don't see how he's not coach of the year, just with all the injuries he's had to overcome, a, a tough schedule, especially the stretch to close out the season. If we come out of if we come out of this atop the AFC or close to it, it's hard to put that away. But, you know, it's also credit to Greg Roman. Yeah, after after a tough week against the Blitz, Huntley did really well against the Blitz. I can't remember the stats, but I think he had more than 100 yards against the Blitz yesterday he was really good in the first half he was clinical and then the bears clearly made some adjustments in the second half to kind of change up their coverages and just make things more complicated for him but credit to roman for simplifying the game plan and making it work with huntley and wink i'm sure we're going to get to that fourth down play call later but overall a really good game called by wink and and impressive when he's without Averett smith who smith has been reliable for this team for ages and he's without Averett. And, you know, you're putting in Chris Westry, who's just coming back from injury and to still be able to come up with a really pretty good defensive day is just impressive. And, you know, it just speaks to the faith and the, just the guts that this team has. It is just incredible to see them absorb body blow after body blow. You know, we thought we were going to get Derek Wolf back. That's not happening. And then Hollywood Brown is announced out and then Lamar is announced out. And you're just like, where is most of our cap is on the bench is not on the field. And, you know, it speaks to the depth. The front office deserves huge props for just building this team with so much depth at every position. It, it's almost inconceivable that we're at seven and three. 
with, with all the injuries, with all of the adversity and just the, the feeling sometimes of there's a target on the Ravens back in the AFC North on the Lamar, with Lamar Jackson, but just pulling out these victories, obviously you don't want to be in these close games all the time, but just a hell of a performance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from, from all sides, you know, there were a few moments obviously in the game that were less than ideal, you, you know, in terms of uh, the, the long plays, the, the Darnell Mooney screen, which again, yeah, we'll get into that one. That one wasn't great either, but yeah, you, you can't feel anything after a game like that, at least as a fan besides satisfied when, when you take all the factors into consideration and just the fact that they were able to pull that out. Yeah. Heading into what is now going to be the toughest part of the schedule. You, you couldn't ask for a better performance, I guess. Agreed. Moving on to our weekly categories for Raven of the game. I had three honorable mentions just because I want to at least get a couple of these names mentioned. Devonta Freeman, who I'm sure will come up in the newcomer category later, was the lead back today after we released Le'Veon Bell this week and just shouldered a big load and was catching passes everywhere out of the backfield. Justin Ellis and Justin Matabuke also had, I felt like, really good games in the interior of the D-line. Just I'm really impressed by what I've seen from Justin Ellis. I mean, had just a big nose tackle that's just eats double teams, kind of what we've needed Brandon Williams to do, even though he's been out. Ellis has really stepped up and Matabuke starting to turn on a little bit where I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that he starts to just stack. They're not crazy good performances, but they're solid. And I'm hoping he starts to stack them, build up his confidence. But the my actual nominees got to get Huntley out there. Huntley is absolutely a nominee. Tyus Bowser had the best game of the season and one of the best games by any Ravens defender all year. Uh, Mark Andrews was just consistent as ever. Patrick Queen was just making tackles everywhere. Just He seems really comfortable in his role now. And got a shout out, Justin Tucker. I mean, that wind, he was, he was grooving those balls. It looked like a free kick in soccer, a curler. And he was just lining it up perfectly to go with the wind. Who did you have for Raven of the game? Uh, yeah, I definitely had Bowser as my Raven of the game. But just to touch on some of the other guys. Yeah, to your point, Tucker. It was so funny. It was like every kick right within the right when it would come off his foot, it was like, yeah, but then just the perfect like arc in with the wind. The guy's a wizard. I'm convinced he's not actually human. So uh, in terms of the big guys up front that you mentioned, Ellis and Matabike, yeah, it was promising to see. I think it was just the last time that you and I met that we talked about Matabike and the inconsistency and what we haven't seen from him so far this year. So that was a big step forward. We're definitely going to need those guys coming up down the stretch when you look at the running backs that are on the slate. I mean, Nick Chubb, Najee, Aaron Jones, Daryl Henderson. There's a oh, lot yeah. of names on there that they're really going to need the run defense to step up for. So, yeah, it was very encouraging to see there. Huntley, just because of the guts that he showed, that great throw at the end of the game that I'm sure we'll also continue to go into later here. But Tyus Bowser, yeah, what a day. Two sacks. He was all over the field. I mean, he was PFF's highest graded edge rusher this week outside of, I believe it was Chandler Jones, Chris Jones, one of the Jones brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, it, fantastic game. Bowser's definitely his best of the year and very promising to see after getting that money this offseason. Yeah, and it's funny to see, especially right after Thursday night when Matt Judon was just tearing it up for the Patriots. He's doing really well there. And some people were like, man, should the Ravens have let him go? I'm really happy with OA. I'm really happy with Houston. But Bowser, that four-year, $22 million contract, what a steal that is for a player of his caliber that's just going to continue to grow. I mean, it, I think that was one of the best contracts I've ever seen the Ravens get because in, in a, even this year, it looks like a below-market deal. I don't know how DaCosta pulled it off. But Bowser's ability to drop into coverage 
And, and he's done so many different things for the Ravens this year. He was kind of the, the main middle linebacker on third downs for part of the season before Bynes came in and he was dropping into coverage and playing the run. And now Wink is just unleashing him on the edge and he is really showing out in a way that we haven't seen from him in his career, honestly, just dominating opposing tackles. So it's exciting to see. I hope he keeps it up. I got to give co-player of the game to Huntley just, just for the guts alone. I, I'm just so impressed with him. The poise, everyone raved about his poise and composure after the game. And that's tough. I mean, imagine stepping in for Lamar Jackson, the, the arguably the best player in the league. Well, easily one of the best players in the league and the most important single important player to any team. There's no one player that makes their team tick more than Lamar Jackson does for the Ravens and Tyler Huntley stepped in and it, Hey, like Harbaugh always says, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't perfect, but it was us. And this was a big Ravens win. Um, moving on to unit of the game. We just talked about Bowser, but the outside linebackers in general did pretty well. They generated 14 of the 19 pressures on the bears quarterbacks in the game. Oh, it had that rough, had that rough in the passer call that you don't like to see. Uh, but, you know, him, Houston, Bowser, and even Jalen Ferguson, you know, looked good on a couple snaps. Didn't get a ton of looks on defense, but I think he'll get more now that Pernell McPhee's out for a couple games. It's it's exciting to see how far this group has come in such a short time, considering it was our biggest weakness in the offseason. Yeah, no, the outside linebackers played great yesterday. I also want to give uh, some props to the middle linebackers as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Queen before. He was all over the field yesterday. He had that big stop early in the game on the drive where Chicago missed the field goal. Josh Bynes had a lot of good plays yesterday, the fourth down stop. Uh, they didn't really – none of the big plays that were allowed necessarily fell on the middle linebackers. You know, it was all secondary issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I, yeah, definitely want to shout them out. Uh, in the run game, Chicago wasn't really allowed to get going, and they were a big part of that. I mean, Montgomery did average four yards a carry, but it was a very quiet four yards a carry, it felt like. There was only mm -hmm. a couple runs where it was really like, uh-oh, you know. So, yeah, I want to give some props to the middle linebackers, too. I think they played a hell of a game as a unit as a whole. Yeah, and this tight end fullback group, you know, we had four, four tight ends and a fullback active. I don't think Josh Oliver played at all, but Andrews, Ricard, and Tomlinson continued to do their thing, and we had Boyle back. There was that excuse me, that gorgeous trips set with Boyle, Andrews, and Ricard, I think like 800 pounds of Ravens players in trips. And I mean, it's, it's great to have Boyle back. And if, if all, if all of those guys are firing on all cylinders, this running game is going to pick up, but I actually think unit of the game just goes to the special teams. It just goes to everyone on special teams who did their job. You know, the field goals we talked about, the punt coverage and the punt returns were solid. Duvernay is just so good. And of course, the Jalen Ferguson, James Proshi punt block that set up a field goal that actually gave us the lead in the fourth quarter. Huge. And, you know, Harbaugh loves it. He's a special teams guy. And I think that's a big way for Proshi and Ferguson to earn some more snaps on offense and defense, respectively, because they do well on special teams. That's going to earn them snaps in other parts of the game. So I got to give credit to the special teams because, man, in a game like this, with everything that's happened to the Ravens, everything being so at the margins you need special teams to win this game. Yeah. I mean, for all the reasons you just said that they were my unit of the game as well, that that punt block was monstrous. And to your point, who knows, maybe that could be the spark, especially in Ferguson's case, because I mean, he's, he's been inactive. I mean, pretty much what every week, mm -hmm. you know, so finally getting a chance and making a big play like that, it could, could spell well for him as we, uh, as we progress later in the season here. Yeah, and he looked good in the preseason. I, I, I was I was happy. You know, he was on the bubble in the preseason, I think. But 
he, he played well. He did well playing the run. If he continues to do well on special teams, I don't think that we've seen all we're going to see out of Ferguson. You know, part of me thinks he might just end up doing well on a team that's not the Ravens, whether it's just because the scheme asks a little bit more than he's capable of delivering. But we'll see. I still think he has a lot to contribute in this league. If Matt Judon's, to, oh, I was going to say, if Matt Judon's any indication, he'll be an all-pro next year. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to play of the game, we got the early Bowser strip sack that unfortunately the Ravens couldn't turn into points, but it was deep in Ravens territory. So that was a huge drive stopper. The Huntley to Watkins late game connection, obviously huge. Uh, but my play of the game was Mark Andrews catch in, in the first quarter. What an unbelievable, another one-handed bobbler that he just reels in. And the replay showed the, the initial, the initial pass, it just looked like he reached up and made a good catch, but it wasn't crazy. The replay showed how far that ball away was. And he was fully extended and almost falling over to get that ball. And it's just amazing to have him signed for so long. I don't know if you saw the, the Dallas Goddard concert contract from Philadelphia, who's getting paid more than Andrews over the next four years, or I think around the same amount, but somehow we got Andrews and that deal is going to look like a bargain too. As a safety net for Huntley early in the game, he was huge. And the thing is, is Andrews such a smart player that he's aware of that. He knows he needs to be ready for the ball because Huntley is going to come to him early. And he did. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't think because Andrews has made a couple of those like really nice catches the last few weeks. And the fact that the catch didn't really lead to anything offensively, I had that I had that catch written down. I didn't think you were going to mention it. But, uh, yeah, my, my play of the game would definitely be the long pass, the Huntley to Sammy Watkins. I mean, to make that kind of throw, and I know Watkins was wide open, but close to the sideline, on the run, Huntley. I mean, that's a that's a ballsy throw right there. Yeah, I mean, he was getting, ba- he's getting battered all game. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the offensive line in a, a minute, I feel like, with the practice award coming up. He's getting battered all game. He's drifting back to his right. I mean, that, that's a Lamar-type throw. That's the kind of throw we've come to expect from Lamar in those situations, to evade the pressure and just get the ball downfield. You know, if, if he had seen him earlier, delivered a perfect vote, could have been a touchdown on its own. But that's not the kind of game the Ravens have played this season. It's definitely not the kind of game that they played yesterday. It was more of a get the job done. And that's exactly what Huntley did on that play. And credit to Watkins. It had a tough game last week, but bounced back in a huge moment. Yeah, um, especially just with, with Huntley. I, when you think about the Lamarless Ravens of 2020 with Robert Griffin at the helm, and then you see what Huntley was able to do yesterday, you feel a lot more confident, at least from a fan standpoint, that should, God forbid, anything happen to Lamar long-term, that this team can still compete. Because after watching that Pittsburgh game last year when all the COVID craziness happened, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt very confident if you had told me that – and I don't mean to make this a RG3 bashing party. You know, I love RG3. But mm-hmm. if you had told me that he was the guy the Ravens were going to have for the rest of the year, I'd be far less confident. So – it's just I say all that to say that it's really a testament to the work that Huntley's put in and how much he prepares as if he's going to start every week. Yeah. And James Urban. Shout out to the quarterbacks coach, James Urban. I mean, just great. He's been in Baltimore for so long. But you, you see you see Jackson's development and you also see how how good Huntley has been, even though he's been just a backup. And you got to give credit to the coaching staff again. Um, and it's these positional coaches that the Ravens are also so good at finding. So it just a great game. Uh, and, and that definitely deserves play of the game. Uh, the back to practice award. Lamar needs to practice taking vitamin D because he keeps getting sick. I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they're, I'm sure the team, the medical team's on it. You know, I don't want to harp on it too much, but man, he's got to stop getting sick. It's cold and flu season. 
rest of the season is in the winter. Like that's a big, that, that it just scares me now that it's happened so many times and he's missed a game before you just miss a pr- one practice here or there. It was one thing, but then missed two practices this week. <laughs> Not a Miss- sponsor, but immune. What is it? <laughs> immune plus let's get this guy 15 boxes of it, please. <laughs> You know, he missed well, he missed two practices this week after the fiasco against Miami, and you're worried just game plan wise. Comes back on Friday, he's feeling better, and then all of a sudden he's sick again. It just it's concerning. I mean, thankfully it wasn't COVID. Obviously that would have been so much worse, but you, you got to hope he gets better. Uh, the team in general just getting healthy. I think that's the biggest thing. Getting guys like Averett back quickly is is huge. Just even against Cleveland and and Pittsburgh the week after. But obviously the biggest thing that this team needs to figure out is what are we going to do with the offensive line? Because Huntley was just getting battered and yeah, Lamar probably doesn't take all of those sacks. He gets the ball a little quicker. He's a better scrambler. So maybe there's a one or two less fewer sacks, but huge problem with the offensive line. The run blocking was serviceable. I'm not upset at it. It could be a lot better, but I understand how difficult it is for this line, but the pass blocking just we're going up against Clowney and Garrett next week. What are we going to do? Yeah. And, you know, we got um, who knows if TJ Watt will be back by then, by the time they see the Steelers. But there's probably a pretty good chance of that, too. Uh, we're seeing our old pals, Darius, as we get down here, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. So there's going to be a lot of defenders that are going to be, you know, looking to make some big plays against Lamar. And they're going to have to get something figured out. I've gone back and forth on the line yesterday because, like, I watched the game. Obviously, it didn't look too good. But. There are a lot of those that did feel like Huntley held the ball for a little long to your point that you said. So maybe if Lamar wasn't there, there might've been a couple less. Nonetheless, you can't argue the fact that there's some problems there. And the only cruddy part of it all is that I don't know what at this point in the season is going to fix that. You know, they pretty much continue. Go for it. No, I was just saying it's strange because it almost feels like this offensive line is somehow less than the sum of its parts. Mm Mm-hmm. In a weird way, Bozeman, Villanueva, both been really good. Powers, I'm just not comfortable with him at left guard anymore. He's just not crushing it in the run game enough to make up for deficiencies in pass protection. Bakari looked a little shaky his first game back from injury. I was surprised he was able to get back so quickly. Uh, I think he'll play better from here on out. And Villanueva has played really well all season and then really struggled yesterday. So I'm with you back and forth on the line. I think having Ben Cleveland back, I think it's time for Ben Cleveland at left guard. I'm not sure how much there is to lose at this point. I just think he could be a force in the middle, um, especially when you're going up against some of the really strong pass rushers in the middle that we're going to face later in the season. Cameron Hayward is going to be a huge threat uh, alongside Watt against the Steelers. So I, I think I think Ben Cleveland's in line for some more snaps now that he's healthy. I don't know if Phillips moves back to right guard. And, you know, the big wild other wild card is if Jawan James is able to play at all this season. But at the same time, how much do you want to upset the chemistry of this line when they keep swapping guys in and out? You know, do you want a guy who hasn't played with any of these other guys in his entire career just hopping in at the end of the season? I'm not sure that's the best way to go either. So it's almost just a got to make do with what you have. Boyle being back is going to help that, too. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, and it's unfortunate to say at this point, I don't think I've really seen anybody address this point up until now, but Kevin Zeitler, I haven't seen, I mean, I know they didn't pay him a lot, but it doesn't really feel like he's been a great return investment so far. I mean, I know it's like you said, the sum of the parts and everything and everyone individually has been 
not great, but it feels like everybody's name has gotten discussed in terms of things they're not doing except for him. And he's, you know, he, him and Villanueva are the two veterans of this group. You'd think those are the guys that you'd be trying to lean on. And, you know, they're the guys that are going to get you through these moments, but at least for me, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this. Like I said to you earlier, before we started recording, I kind of got strong armed into some red zoning yesterday. So I didn't get to watch the entire game front to back yet, but I felt like there was a lot of times, especially on the sacks where Zeitler's just sitting there looking in the backfield, you know what I mean? Like not really sure what's going on. So not, not to make it a, a anti Kevin Zeitler podcast. I feel like I'm going in on a lot of people today. I probably shouldn't be, <laughs> but uh, I think we need to see more from him as the resident veteran of this group. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, to I'd be curious to hear from, from Harbaugh and the offensive line coach, just to see like, Who's leading like the blitz? Who's who's leading these blitz calls out? Is it is it Bozeman? Is it Zeitler at right guard? You know, is is Villanueva communicating from the left side when he sees something? I'm curious to see because I think that's something that can help. Zeitler looked turned around on a couple plays against the Dolphins on, on some of the audibles. That's something that the O-line definitely needs to work on as as we approach teams that are going to blitz a lot again in the future. They're going to blitz Lamar more. So yeah, I, I think he hasn't done anything glaringly bad. But I also sometimes wish that, yeah, we could just run behind him for a play or two and just give some other guys a break. And, you know, it's a, it's a big ask for an offensive lineman. I get it. But I'd like to see just some more impact. It's, it's, it's funny when you, when you become so invested in the team, you really love to focus on an offensive line because you understand how crucial it is. Even though, you know, the, I would say the, the kind of, you know, casual football fan doesn't think as much about the offensive line. It's huge. And now that we feel like we tried to address some of the O-line issues in the off season, they're just popping up again. And I think it's going to be, it's going to mean a, a, a full overhaul next off season. I think we're going to have a very different looking offensive line in 2022, but for the rest of the season, yeah, it's it, part of it is just going to be a matter of getting it together as a unit. Um, but they definitely need to work on that in practice. Mm-hmm. Also just, I mean, really quick, I guess we have to, for the back to practice award, we have to touch on the secondary a little bit. Mm-hmm. just because of those two big plays they gave up, especially the one to Mooney really had my eyes rolling into the back of my head just because Stevens and Chuck Clark run right into each other when, uh, you know, Mooney cuts it back in. He makes a nice move, but regardless, it just, you know, it felt like you should be, the Betty Hill music should be playing behind it, you know, that like it just, uh, and yeah, it was, and it was a screen. I rarely, I've talked about screens all year in my tale of the tape pieces, just because of how aggressive this defense is. Screens are a good way to take advantage of it. They've played them well the last couple weeks. And then just to not be able to make a tackle and, and letting it go off for a huge gain again, big plays. It's, it's the story of this defense. I think it was uh, Darren McCann who, who wrote, you know, a, a slash F for this defense. And that's, Kind of exactly what they do. They are on the ball for 90% of the plays, but then those 10%, they just give up a touchdown. It, it, yeah. is, it is truly maddening. Um, and, you know, that kind of brings me newcomer of the week. I want to shout out Chris Westry, at least. It was his first NFL start, and he got put in a lot of one-on-one matchups, just straight up, man. And for the most part, he played really well. I felt like he played well against the Dolphins, and I felt like you're seeing – that, that, that physical ability translate immediately onto the football field with him. And I think with him, it's just going to be getting more seasoning, getting more games and seeing more from the field, from, from, a, from being on the field and playing in the games, learning more on the job is the best way for him to get better. But shout out for at least just putting in the effort. I never felt like he quit 
in that game. And I think that's the biggest thing for me with young players, especially, especially at cornerback is, you know, you get beat. Okay. What happens the next play? What happens the next game? So I'm excited to see what he does next game. Cause I think, I think he's going to do well the rest of the season. Uh, but newcomer of the week, I mentioned Sammy Watkins because of the big play, but I don't know if this goes to anyone other than Freeman again. I mean, Freeman really is, has been, you know, Murray was really good to start the season, but since Murray's been injured, Freeman's been incredible. I feel like. Yeah. Freeman's been awesome. Uh, just for the sake of parody, I went with Watkins just because all things considered. And when you looked at the game last week in terms of, you know, obviously one football player never costs the team a game, especially when you look at how the team as a whole played in Miami on Thursday, but you know, a drop touchdown and a fumble that goes the other way for six. If there's any two plays or not a drop touchdown, but just a missed touchdown, you know, the one I'm talking about Mm -hmm. Uh, when those, you know, those are game changing plays. And in that game, they very much were. So to see him rebound, you know, with a number two quarterback, make a nice catch like that. It was really promising to see, but yeah, I mean, Freeman, again, this is probably going to be like the fourth week in a row. We've given him this award but it's warranted. He looks great. Every single week, he looks better and better. Uh, even that last touchdown, it, the blocking looked a little dicey at first, but he makes a nice move inside, you know, shifts in there, and he's in for six. So yeah, it's I'd tough to be hard-pressed to disagree. It's tough to see on the broadcast, but some of the replay angles show he's still got some juice in these jump cuts. And the his ability to just find space, and yeah, he's not breaking off giant runs like Gus and, and Dobbins would. You know, we kind of knew that was going to be the case when, when those guys got injured, when this season started, but his ability to consistently pick up yards and just fall, well, like falling forward to me is like the best thing a running back can do. And it seems like Freeman is one of those guys who's good at falling forward and getting that extra yard here and there. And then the other thing was just being an outlet for Huntley. And again, it talks to that veteran situational awareness, you know, you know, they're blitzing a lot. So Huntley needs to get the ball out quicker. Well, the best way to get the ball out quicker is get to the flat quicker and, kind of just the urgency out of the backfield for him in the pass catching game and also just catching his targets and picking up yards after the catch he made. I think it was, I can't remember if it was on that final drive or if it was on the drive before, but he made a nice move to avoid a two or three yard loss and actually turned it into, I think a first down. Mm-hmm. And, and you just, you look at that and you just say, Hey, those are the kinds of plays that, you know, you need from your running backs to win this game. And, and, and overall this season, because we, we, you don't have the 60-yard runs from Dobbins to rely on or, or Edward scoring every time we're in the red zone. You give him the ball at the you know 10-yard line, he's going to rumble in. That's not the case with our current offensive line or with our current stable of running backs, but Freeman's ability to just be there and just be reliable has been huge. Yeah, absolutely, especially with the revolving door that we've seen at the position this year. You know, Le'Veon Bell just got released uh, last week. Now we got Murray coming back to finally have one piece that they can look at and be the, you know, the 70% carry guy of the group. You know what I mean? I think that's massive, especially as we approach the colder weather games when they're actually going to have to rely on the run, whether they want to or not. So it's definitely promising to see from Freeman and he doesn't show any signs of slowing down so far. So, you know, here's hoping. (laughs) Yeah. An impressive signing. And honestly, the, the, the kind of guy who knows our system, seems ready to play. I'd definitely be open to having him back next season just because you can trust him. And and that's the biggest thing with depth players. And we talked about the importance of depth earlier, but just as coaches, being able to just trust the next man up is huge. And in Baltimore, we're lucky to be able to have that this season. Mm. Moving on to the uh, mile high miracle, ridiculous Ravens moment of the week. We're back to having ridiculous, crazy games again. 
The punt block was one of them. Special teams brilliance from a special teams loving team. The whole Lamar saga, you know, I'm going to talk about this in a head scratcher category, but the fact that he was even in Chicago at all, just my hopes for him playing went up and down and up and down all week. Um, You know, the Huntley to Watkins was kind of a, a, a just a very this season Ravens moment, a chunk play through the air late in the game to a random receiver. It doesn't necessarily have to be Hollywood anymore. Uh, That was just, you know, uh, the definition of mile high miracle is that kind of play, obviously way different stakes, longer touchdown pass differences, but still felt crazy. But the ridiculous Ravens moment of the week had to be when Justin Fields gets knocked out and Andy Dalton, the Raven killer comes in this game almost immediately throws that screen touchdown to Mooney that we talked about. And then on fourth and 11 comes up with that deep call. And I'm sure we'll talk about the blitz play call on that one, but just to see Andy Dalton, like walk onto a field against the Ravens at that point, I was worried. I wasn't worried throughout the entire first half of the game, but when Dalton came out, I was like, Oh my God, he's going to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he did do it again. I mean that, that fourth and 11, it, it was immediate shades of 2017, Week 17, the Cincinnati game, I was having horrible PTSD during that moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mile-high moment, I think, was ultimately the Sammy Watkins catch just because it embodies everything of what this category, you know, uh, speaks of, speaks to what it is. Well, and, and speaking <clears throat> of that game, it was it was another fourth down, too. That was the other thing. And, and that, you know, I agree, that's definitely the ridiculous moment of the week. But that also brings me to the head-scratcher. Because I've been going back and forth for the last almost 24 hours thinking about that blitz play on fourth down. Because it was so effective all game against Fields and Dalton. They did, they forced an incompletion on, I think, all but two of those cover zero blitz calls that John Harbaugh said today that that was their plan coming into the game, that Wig stuck with the plan. So I get it. But at the same time, you're putting Chris Westry on an island and it's a gutsy call from the bears to go with a double move there, but you know, he bit a little bit cause he was worried about playing the first down to keep them out of field goal range. But man, I just, it p- part of me says, Hey, defend the sticks and defend, defend the sticks on that play. That's all you need. But at the same time, if you let like a 20 yard pass Harbaugh kind of touched on this today too, you know, a 20 yard pass would have arguably been worse than the touchdown because it at least gave the Ravens time to go back down the field. Whereas if, you know, if God, if, if, you know, Goodwin had the wherewithal to just go down inside the five or the bears just picked up a regular old first down, they would have been able to run off the clock. So I, I kind of get the all, like I get one that it was with the game plan. I also understand the all or nothing approach. You want to, you want to force the ball out quick because ideally you want an incompletion. And if not, you either want not a first down or a touchdown. And the best way to force that is kind of an all out blitz in a really weird way. Before I get to the other head scratchers, just what was your take on that play call? Yeah, what was Harbaugh's quote? Sometimes a, a quick death is the best death, something like mm-hmm. that, he said. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue. I saw a lot of people really coming for Westry about that play, and, and I think that's misguided. I saw one of the Ravens YouTubers or something said something about how Chris Westry will get burned once every game. I think that's unfair, considering he hasn't even played like the majority of them with being injured and everything. Uh being on an island with uh, an Olympic sprinter uh, in Marquise Goodwin. I mean, you can't blame a rookie for that Mm -hmm. when it's one-on-one cover zero, like, uh, you know, that you can't put that all on him, even though, yeah, he got burned, but 
the vast majority of rookies are going to get burned on that play, no matter who it is. I don't care if you're a first round pick or if you're an undrafted pick. Um, yeah, after I've had time to digest it, I mean, at the time, the raw reaction is, what are you doing, Wink? You know, yada, yada, yada. You're, same you here, know, same here. Up, up in arms. But when, you know, you actually hear Coach Harbaugh talk about it, and it, that does make sense. You know, if, if you do let them pick up that 20-yard first down and then they just slowly matriculate down the field, kick a field goal, do whatever, that that ultimately would have ended up in a loss yesterday. So I can't say I really fault them for making that call because on the flip side, hey, if they get there, you know, that's huge. That's that's fourth down. That's a huge loss. So I don't hate the call as much as I thought I did when it was taking place, I guess we'll say. Okay, so it is the official opinion of this podcast that that was an okay play call to make because I think that was the biggest thing I saw just looking at mm. social media after the game that people were talking about was that play call. But after thinking about it, really, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, you, you'd like to maybe see Wink remember that it's Westry, not Peters out there on the island and, and maybe factor that in even with just one guy over the top. But again, the guy over the top is going to save a touchdown. That's not really going to actually help you. So, you know, again, in a weird way, it made actually a lot of sense. Uh, not a lot of big refereeing issues this game. I thought it was a pretty well-called game, nothing crazy. I kind of feel like the Ravens never get holding penalties called on the other team when they're rushing the passer or playing the run, but that could just be that the line doesn't get held. Um, you know, I know holding is a tough call to see too. So I'm not, I'm not really up in arms about that. So I guess the biggest head scratcher to me is the whole thing with Lamar. If he's as sick as Marlon Humphrey said he was yesterday, he said he was just curled up in a ball on the plane. I'm just curious why Lamar came to Chicago at all. The only reason would appear to be situational, like strategic advantage, you know, to make the bears think they're going to have to deal with Lamar instead of Huntley, you know, but at the same time, we run the same offense, whether it's Lamar or Huntley. So, you know, if anything, them knowing it was going to be Huntley, they might drop, they, they, you know, they might blitz more, they might blitz less. I don't really know. They're probably already planning to blitz a lot. So I don't know why Lamar came to Chicago at all instead of just staying home and getting healthy. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, you know, I did, Marlon had that post-game, you know, victory live thing on the plane and they went to Lamar. The guy looked like he was, you know, half on his deathbed there. You know, I tweeted out, let this man sleep. Like, what, yeah. what are we doing here? Uh, so, yeah, to your point, it, the the – the advantage slash disadvantage, there, there really is none because there's no difference in preparation. I mean, ex except for the obvious fact of you're either preparing for an MVP or a backup quarterback. But in terms of the scheme and how you're going to approach it, I, I, I don't see any way that would have been different for the Bears. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm scratching my head on that one. I'm not not too sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, moving on to next week, we've got the Bears or the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, big AFC matchup, AFC North matchup. And this is really strange. And, you know, if anyone that works for the NFL is listening to this podcast, uh, please don't ever do this again to any team in the NFL where you, the, you play a team, the other team gets a buy and you got to play the same team again because the Browns basically are going to get to play us, have two full weeks to study what we did and reconfigure their game plan and play us again. And, I just think that that's not right. I just don't think that that is like fair for the Ravens to have to deal with that with a game in between. If we had the same buy, then fine. I guess it's a kind of an even advantage, but this just, it just seems so odd that the schedule worked out that way. You know, I, I still think we take at least one of the games, but I think it's going to be really hard to take both games against the Brown against the Browns. Uh, what are you looking for against the Browns? 
Yeah, uh, definitely not an ideal scheduling situation. I think they actually have this situation going on on one of the NFC divisions, too. I could be wrong. I thought I saw that. But, yeah, just not very good planning on the league's part. Um, to your point, if they can somehow find a way to win these next three, you know, Browns, Steelers, Browns, that's one thing, you know, d- don't even mention the fact of who we have to play in during that week while the Browns are on a bye. You know, right. it might be a little easier to swallow if there was Jacksonville coming into town or something. But I think we'll it'll be a great to game. Pittsburgh. Yeah, going to Pittsburgh in that big, ugly ketchup bottle. So uh, in terms of this week on Sunday night, I'm looking for Lamar to get back and be healthy. You know, it's kind of at this point, I just I want to see him OK before I believe it, because we all thought he was fine at the end of last week. And then, you know, so. I'm looking to see Lamar to be 100%. I'm looking to see how the front seven does in the run game. Obviously, Chubb is probably their biggest test so far this season, besides from Dalvin Cook. And outside of one big play, they did a pretty decent job against him. And with the way Baker Mayfield's been playing lately, uh, if you can shut down Nick Chubb, I don't see any other way that this group is going to be able to hang with the Ravens and the points they're going to put up on the board, even despite Cleveland's defense being as talented as it is. Yeah, I mean, Baker played almost as bad as Tim Boyle of the Detroit Lions this past weekend. You know, the, 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 the dialogue around the 2018 QBs is probably my all-time favorite draft class. Just unbelievable assortment of different players. But Baker is just chief among them as, as just inconsistent. Like, he just has to be better. I was reading earlier that I think Baker has the – or the Browns receivers have the highest percentage of uncatchable throws when open or something like that. Where, where he's just not hitting open receivers. And so, yes, that drags down his performance, but that's also not a crazy hard thing to correct. So I, I kind of feel like we'll see a bit of positive regression from him against the Ravens, at least in one of these two games. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm not sure that Baker's the guy for Cleveland long-term, really. I, you know, clearly Odell wasn't the problem because their offense has struggled for two weeks in a row now. Uh, after Odell left, you know, they only put up seven against the Patriots who are rounding in form like they do every year. Ta- Tackling is going to be huge. Like you said, against Chubb, they have a fantastic offensive line. So that's going to be tough. And yeah, the defense, I mean, Clown, we talked about it earlier, going up against Clowney and you know Miles Garrett with this offensive line, they've got depth in the secondary. It's We're going to need some good Greg Roman game plans to beat them even once in, in, in these two matchups. Yeah. And in terms of Baker, it's so weird with him because, you know, you looked back to that first game without Odell and um, when they blew out Cincinnati and how efficient he was and how he looked comfortable. And then you got days like yesterday or that, that day against Minnesota, even though they won the game earlier in the season where he just, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Like Mm -hmm. it's very anomalous to me. I don't really know how to describe it. I actually, in my article last week in the in the hood, when we, you know, were every week at Russell Street Report, we go around the AFC North. I kind of, you know, spoke for Baker a little bit. I, you know, looking, I looked at the stat sheets and I, I kind of, you know, made mention of the fact maybe he gets a little more flack than he deserves. And then he goes out and puts on one of these performances. So if the Ravens can get to him early, throw him off rhythm, don't allow them to establish the run game, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, agreed. And, and hopefully Averett's back. I'm not super scared of their wideouts. You know, if it ends up being Marlon on Landry all game and then you just mix and match everything else, you know, that could work. And the other thing is just 
I do think Wink's going to have to be careful with the blitzing, not because Baker's really good against the blitz, but just because this offensive line is just so good and so adept at picking up blitzes. Chubb and Hunt are really good pass protecting running backs, so they'll pick up blitz as well. Njoku's actually had a really good season as a blocker as well. And so I think that's something to look out for is how aggressive the Ravens are and see if that changes throughout the game, just because, you know, you can't, can't keep getting burned like this. I'd rather get burned early than burned late because burned early, you, can, you have way more time to come back from. There's way more time to make adjustments. Burned late, sometimes it's almost a dagger. I mean, that that touchdown from Dalton was almost a dagger. You know, if we had, you know, if, if we had Lamar, you know, you're like, okay, great. Give Lamar the ball. But with Huntley coming in, he didn't have as good of a second half. And I was like, oh boy, game's on for him now. And of course he came through. Shout out to him. But it, it's going to be it's going to be a tough stretch against the Bears or against the Browns. I keep making that mistake. Yeah, no this this whole next part of the schedule coming up, uh, it's it just gets tougher and tougher. I mean, so you know, Browns, Steelers, Browns. Then what is it? Packers, Rams, Steelers. Yeah, how we finish out? Like, yep, just that's wow. exactly it. I yeah, mean, and, wow. and you know the, the, the Rams. We got to play Von Miller again, and they already have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. It's it's a tough end of season schedule. And I do think we're really going to find out what the ceiling of this team is going into the playoffs. I don't think we have any way of knowing how good and how far this team could go right now, because the AFC is a dumpster fire in general. No one is playing well, except the chiefs and the Patriots, of course, are starting to play well right now, which is what everyone loves to see. And, you know, we've, we've played, we've played good teams and we've played bad teams. You know, we beat the Vikings pretty pretty we beat the vikings played pretty well against them but then and they went turned around and beat the packers so there's just no telling what this team can do this is going to be an exciting stretch i think they're going to be good gains i think Mm -hmm. the ravens will will rise to the challenge like they have all season but how well they play and and how many of these games they're able to win obviously will determine whether or not they can get into the playoffs but i also think it'll tell us by the end of the season, we'll know if this team is a serious Super Bowl contender or not. If we're getting blown out by the Rams and the Packers, much less the Browns, the Steelers, or anyone else, then we kind of know, okay, you know, we may not be able to take this to the Super Bowl this year. That's just one obstacle. We may not, it's one obstacle too many for the season. But on the other hand, if we can come out of this with a top two seed, who knows? It could be the year. It's just, you never know. And especially in a crazy year like this, you know, it could happen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Oh, sprinkle a revenge game with Cincinnati into that schedule too. But to your point, every team, at least in the AFC, even the best teams have at least one glaring weakness, which really, you know, to your point, makes it anybody's game. A few weeks ago when the Ravens were just every single week, it was these, you know, you got to pull it out of your rear end in the last few minutes. Admittedly, I was kind of unsure about – their their chances in the AFC to reach the Super Bowl just you know with the injuries were mounting up all these things but when you really go and you break down all these other teams I mean look at Buffalo yesterday mm-hmm. look at you know Indianapolis is on the rise now Tennessee got- lost to the Texans yeah. it's it's yeah, nuts it's and then the, the Chiefs come out and and kind of dominate against the Cowboys and their defense is playing really well and I think that's the thing is it is really any given Sunday and we've got a lot of any given Sundays left to see if the Ravens can come up with the win. Yep. Buckle up. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Ron. And thank you for everyone who's listening. This has been Russell street replay, and we look forward to having you back next week.